Hey guys, Krista here. So you're about to listen to an episode on divorce, so I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to have you check out my website, kristakimcoaching.com, because I have an amazing online program called Bridge to You, Your Soul's Journey Through Divorce. And it's really for those who are struggling with divorce, maybe they're about to go through it, maybe they're in the middle of it, or maybe they're 10 years out of it and still cannot see their way out of it. You know, divorce is really hard. It comes with a lot of anger and depression and grief. And this program gives you really concrete ways of moving through those emotions and actually healing them and letting them go so that you can start experiencing your new life, your fun life, dating, relationship. So check it out. You're going to be so surprised at how inexpensive it is because I really wanted it to be something that everyone can benefit from. So KristaKimCoaching.com, bridge to you, your soul's journey through divorce. And for those of you who haven't experienced divorce, I even have a bridge to you, your soul's journey through breakups, because we've all been through a breakup. Happy listening, y'all. Welcome to Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Two gals on the prowl for enlightenment, sex, and all things holy. Holy Fuck. Each week, beauty alchemist and transformational coach and speaker, Catherine McClellan, and spiritual healer and life coach, Krista Kim, discuss navigating spiritual consciousness in a real human body. Stumbling through dating, relationships, and everyday life, all while maintaining a fucking sense of humor. Hey, Krista. Hey, Catherine. Happy podcast day. (laughs) Hello to all our audience. We love you all. Thank you for joining us for season two. We are so excited to be already in it. Back on the mic. Back on the mic. I don't know how excited I am about today, though. (laughs) Chris has got some stuff. Oh, the change continues. The change continues. And, you know, I don't or haven't really had the opportunity yet on this podcast to talk about my divorce. Um, I've always felt like it's such this like big entity that sits yeah. there. And um, and not that I'm going to be talking about that part of it today, but just I am in some of the final stages of it. And it's feeling tender and tricky. And yesterday I got tweaked. I got tweaked. And um yeah, and, and all it takes is one little email, right? <laughs> okay, so let's just back up here because it was not one little email. Okay. And let's see what else was happening yesterday for Krista. <laughs> you want to share? Oh, well, Best friend. Best what? friends, you know, in the process of moving. Last day. It was her last day in her house. In the home and, that you've shared many holidays in with her. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and my loss. Mr. Nurture Man is taken off for a trip for a couple of weeks, and um, you know he's he's been a big support system to me, huge support system, um, and just I don't know the kid just graduated, kids graduating, you know, that, all that stuff we talked about in the change, dad. change, change episode. It's, yeah, just, but they're all happening right this second. Yeah, and people move. Some kids moving furniture. into my house, some moving out. Furniture coming in from my friend's house. Furniture moving out because there's no go space. Of furniture that you loved for years, that you lay and cried in, that you talked, yeah. that you were hung out with your kids in and with your best friend in, and it's all going away. It just it feels like this like poof is happening. 
And, and how does um, that feel, Krista? It feels poofy. <laughs> poopy. 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 A little scary, maybe. You know, I think our audience can probably I, relate. Yeah, I just feel I feel unsettled and I feel like um, the structure, the, my support system that's been underneath of me for so long, it feels like it just, like there was an earthquake and it all just kind of crumbled. And yet I know that the, the roots of the support system are still there it just it doesn't feel like it. it does not feel like it right now and um so i think that when like an email comes through and this is like one of those like negotiating emails right where you know one person says what they need in a divorce and the other one comes back with what they need and it just even if the people are doing it in a loving way it's it tr- it's triggering well it's a negotiation can we talk about that so loving negotiation it's almost like they're oxymorons because <laughs> people are on either side who are invisible, who are coaching you guys and collaborating with you guys each separately to bring these things back. And now my experience is when it's, that starts to happen, you start to get extreme positions. Lawyers are famous for taking because they only have one client. That's what they do. They right. will tell you up front, I only have one client and that's who this is and I only have one client. And so they take extreme positions. So the email that comes in no longer sounds like, hey, can we talk about keeping the house for the kids? It's like, these are the reasons why that's not going to work. Or these are the reasons why that should work. Or, you And know. it just felt very personal to me. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with mm. the business type transactional parts of it. This felt like almost like an attack on my motherhood, which since I was a stay-at-home mom... That's basically like attacking everything in 15 years of my life, right? So I do have to say that, unfortunately, yesterday morning, I did not do my morning practice, my meditation practice. Do your meditation practice. Yeah. And I, after the fact, after I had my big freak out where I'm driving down the street screaming at God. It's that minivan again. (laughs) She's in the minivan driving down the street. No air conditioning, hot day, and she's screaming at God. Yes. I'm screaming at God. And after all of that passed, I did have that moment of interesting that I didn't do my morning practice. And the days when I either don't create time for it or make space for it or run out of time or whatever happens or don't make it the priority. I don't handle things in my typical like, okay, well that happened and let's see how I can, you know, move forward. Yeah. So your nervous system goes on tilt. And one of the great things that Krista didn't mention about her day yesterday was, let's say, how would you like to say this? She's on her moon. (laughs) She's menstruating. Uh, I don't know if any of you know this, but you should double down on your spiritual practice when you're menstruating because it brings you right Double down into and your you should body. not open emails. Do not open <laughs> for emails. Like That's it. Days. For three days, for sure. Whichever your worst three days, definitely don't. And take your magnesium. You know what I read one time? I'm just going to take a little side poke for all you ladies and guys who might want to know this out there. That often the time period right around our period is the the time that women will actually tell themselves and other people the truth about how they feel. All of our veneers of being a good woman and being kind and being pleasing and being loving all fall away and we're like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> well, God sure got an earful he, yeah, yesterday. God, <laughs> God, you shouldn't have brought it yesterday, you know, if it's a direct uh, performance there. And so like as i driving down the street and I'm just letting it 
rip, the things coming out of my mouth were really like, I've had enough, God. Mm. I'm like, I've worked hard. I've been in service to people. I've caretaked. I've nurtured all of these people, children, children, relationships. I'm done so much healing. Like, you got to give me a bone here because it's like enough is enough. And that's really how I felt. Like, I was like, stop it, God, right now. Just stop your behavior. (laughs) Listen to me, Jesus. (laughs) I was really like, yeah, I was pissed. And it felt so good because it was all bottled up in there. And that's, you know, that's why I was giggling when you were saying, like, the truth comes out when you're having your period. Because it was like, that was really my truth. Like, I've had enough. I've done good stuff. Now show me the money. <laughs> like right. show me something good. Right. And one of the things that, you know, is possible for you right now is really looking at how you feel about what's been happening in this process. Have you been being too giving? Have you not? Have you been not supporting yourself by getting a backup team of people mm-hmm. who you might need to make sure you have them lined up in case you need them? You know, have you really yeah. been taking care of yourself? Or have you been telling yourself a little bit spiritual bypassy, like, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He's going to leave me alone. It's all going to be fine. Yeah, I think there's obviously been a combination of that. And I think that the reason divorce does take long in time, and for me, I actually appreciate that it's been a long process yeah. because we had the opportunity very early on to be like, sign the paper, do the thing, and be done. And I just know at that point it would have been done from such an unhealed place that I, I don't think it would have been good for us. So this slow process of the unraveling has allowed, I can I guess I can only speak for myself, myself to heal so much in the last couple of years that going into this final phase, I feel much more grounded and at peace and level-headed to make these decisions. Now, I don't know I don't think he's had a lot of support in that area of the healing journey. And so the email yesterday felt very much from an unhealed place. And I was disappointed in that. And it triggered your unhealed places. (laughs) And it triggered my unhealed places. (laughs) Which we just have to know, again, and you always have to be on the lookout for your projections. Mm -hmm. Just because you're projecting doesn't mean the other person isn't behaving badly. So... Or, or in a way that's more adversarial. That was I, what I keep hearing from you is like suddenly it felt like an adversarial conversation instead of a collaboration, which in some ways it's felt like. Which is unlike, unlike him too. And it's, it's unlike him. So I can see the part that um, it was like his unhealed self wrote the uh, email, right? right? And not who I know him to be. Right. You know, it's interesting because we were talking about how do you need to support yourself right now? And, you know, do you need a lawyer? And do you need a, you know, whatever. But it's like, what if... What if what you need is a therapist? What if you need to come together mm-hmm. and really heal together to finish this instead of the, the right. classic? You know, it's just funny because um, I was just thinking about everything I know about relationship and partnership is that even when you're splitting up the, or I should say changing the form of your partnership, mm-hmm. you need to stay in the loving because as soon as we don't is when you hear about these just disasters. And, 
you know, I have to say for myself that there was a lot more suffering in my divorce than I would have ever wanted to put on my kids. Yeah. And and they actually suffered a lot and probably the littlest one the most. Um and I'm I'm not proud of that. I'm sad that that happened. Had I known better, I've I've actually been able to say I'm sorry, and had I known better, this is all I could do, and this was the way I was being directed at that point in my life by the people in my life, and maybe it had to be that way, and I'm sorry for the effect it had on you because it was not good for my kids, and I feel sad about that, and I, I can't fix it except that I can go and apologize. I can mm-hmm. say I'm sorry. I can bring the unhealed parts of me forward to be loved, and I can apologize, and I can say whatever you need from me at this point in your life based on what you were put through. Bring it. Ask me. I'll do anything I can, even yeah. if you just have to be mad at me for a while. I would be totally open to doing um, therapy with my soon-to-be ex. I think it would be super healing and I don't know if he would though maybe maybe it would be more like coaching instead of therapy which kind of oh, can well, get you know his... how he feels about coaching <laughs> well <laughs> that's the us uh, the other part too right for somebody who can't stand my type of career and is, <laughs> you know totally against all of that even getting going into traditional therapy is probably almost too close to what I do in a way Yeah, it's just a curious, it's an inquiry. You know, what's happening right now, what I experience is happening with you guys is what happened with us. It just kept, it was okay for a while, and then it looked like we were complete, and then there was some untruth, and there was a twisted scenario, and there was a way that I was able to retrieve the documents on their way to the courthouse, which Mm -hmm. was a miracle. And then what went from there was even more adversarial, even more angry, even more yeah. pain. I'm, my strong intention is for this to remain, you know, for us to remain in our loving as we do this. And I do not want to go into that, us feeling like we have to put our dukes up type right. feeling. Right. I really don't want that. And it's, I it's hard. don't have that. It's hard to balance that line of um, wanting to remain in the loving and also needing to, wanting to get my needs met and not feel like I'm getting... Like I just have to roll over and say, okay. Because I do feel like in the beginning I felt so much guilt over the divorce. and Since you were the one that left and yes. you were the one that was unhappy, he would have wanted to stay. He would have forgiven you. He would have done anything that it took. You right. would have forgiven. Like you you were like, no. No. I'm so done. I have so much guilt around that. I feel like I was trying to just make it all okay and people please and – whatever you need. And I just want to do that. And so that's what I mean by I'm glad I've had the time these years to kind Mm -hmm. of heal and step back into my power and find my voice. And, and in the process of finding my voice, it's been challenging. And it's so hard for me to step up and say, like, I get that you feel that way. And that is not okay with me. It's really not okay with me. And I still want to work it out in a loving way. Yeah, this isn't okay with me. How about this? Mm-hmm. So, but that's the negotiation, it, and that's that. I, I like literally. If there's, if I had all the money in the world and I could just hire lawyers to just go and like work it out together, not that that might that, not, that might happen at some point. And that I, but suck. I really, really, really do not want that to happen. 
But there is that part that goes, God, I just want someone to fucking take care of this. I don't want to see the back and forth negotiation. I want two people to go work it out for us and come back and be like, here's what it's going to be. Yeah, it's not going <laughs> to happen that way, sweetie pie. Because uh, I won't find my voice that way, right? Exactly. <laughs> Your fifth chakra is on the line. Now, what's really funny, you guys, just so you know this, is that we're on summer break from our workshops. We're, we're back to the podcast, but we're back to the – we're out of the workshops. And we are on the doorstep of the fifth chakra, which Krista is now getting a chance to spend two months working on her (laughs) fifth chakra, which is connected to all her other chakras and is her voice. And so for those who haven't been at the workshop, every month where we're getting ready to prepare the materials and um, create what we're doing in the workshop, whichever chakra we're on, right. Catherine and I experience huge, huge triggers, triggers. <laughs> in that chakra. And so by the time we get to the workshop, we are just worn out. But we have lots of good stories to share. We have lots to share. And, and we also have a group. What I think is really cool is we have great experience that's just happened mm-hmm. so that we have a lot of empathy for people in the workshop. We have a lot of care for them. And... We just went through it. So we know when they're expressing their concerns and upset that's getting triggered by our workshop, mm-hmm. we have a lot of place to hold space and, and help them get through it. By the way, usually by the time people leave, it's resolved to the point that they're <laughs> out in the world okay again. We don't leave them in the middle of the crisis. But it is really funny that this is the way it works, is the minute you go to teach something, you find out what you need to learn about it, and then you bring it forward. So every month, we've actually only had three weeks between each chakra to mm-hmm. mature ourselves. We've given ourselves <laughs> the gift of, I think, almost 10 weeks, yeah. maybe, to um, mature ourselves into the fifth chakra. It's the one of the most challenging chakras, and it is your voice. And what I was saying a minute ago is it's connected to every single one of your chakras. So you have to find your voice in your first, your second, your third, your fourth, its own voice, and then your sixth and your seventh. So it's not the easiest of chakras, so I'm glad we have a long vacation. I'm glad this is Chris, I'm like rolling my Chris eyes right like, now. <laughs> I wish we were videotaping this because I could see my face. Because I am going to have to make some of those big girl decisions, and um, and I want to do it peacefully, and I don't like confrontation, and I really need to find this place inside of myself where I can say what needs to be said and not do it with the confrontational energy behind it. Right. Can you just say no to what doesn't work for you and then say, how about this? Well, we shall see. (laughs) Well, you're going to get a lot of practice is what I mean. Yes. So you're going to have a chance over and over to say, I wish I could just say yes to everything you want, but honestly, inside me, this doesn't work. So here are the ones I can say yes to, here are the things I say no to, and here's my suggestion. Please give me your thoughts. That's why I think that you guys are going to be going through a pretty heavy process of this. And if it's your intention not to invite lawyers into this situation, you may want to check out, and I don't care what you call this person just to get him in the room with you. might be someone who lets you call them mediator, Mm -hmm. um, but has coaching experience or something that can coach you guys about the partnership, like the actual skills of partnership that you're going to have to learn to get through this process. Because if you had good ones, you would have used them already. Right. 
right? And I have I have a ton of good ones that I have learned over the past 10 years because <laughs> I didn't have very good skills before, I would have to admit. And my divorce did end up with two lawyers, luckily not in a courtroom, but there was like slamming doors and screaming and yelling, I do not do that, just to be clear. And I do my own ways of manipulating, holding, not giving in, whatever else it is. It was no fun, and I don't wish it for Krista, and I don't wish it for any of you. Can you take the partnership and change its form while still maintaining your loving, your trust and your faith that there is a greater picture, that you're being drawn with a vision of your future that is not this one? You've made the choice. It's done. Now go with love. Well, I think that's why I've been on this, like... Uh, in this race to heal as much of myself as possible in these couple of years. By bringing I, all these men into your life. Well, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't talking about If you've been that listening healing. to our podcast, you'll know how racy it's gotten a little time. <laughs> I'm talking about oh. healing the parts about the marriage and the, the shame and the guilt and everything um, from leaving because I know that's going to affect the outcome of the divorce. Absolutely. And so I'm like, you know, going through this, I can't just sit there and look at him and be like, oh, he's doing it. It's like, that's not, I could. Okay. Yes, I could. But that's not going to help the outcome of this because then that just keeps me in the fighting and the grasping and all that. This is really been. You're at the effect of his choices. And instead you're saying, no. And that's not true. You know, if you really go way deep and get authentic, you know that my participation in that was for the kids and not for a career. You know, it's like the way the truth can come out as real truth instead of painting a picture that's slightly out of integrity but makes everybody confused. And I know that can happen. Well, I think my truth that I became really clear on yesterday as I was screaming at God um, was that I feel who is still loving you? I know that I still feel a lot of shame over leaving a marriage that, for everybody else in the world, looked perfect. And there was so much of it that was perfect. He's amazing. Our life was amazing. Our kids were amazing. House, dot, like really such a great life to be living. And at the I, so my shame yesterday was in what is wrong with me or like who did I think I was that that wasn't good enough for me and really went into like some self-hatred at myself of like um, how stupid I was for like leaving that. Why couldn't I have kept it together? Why wasn't it good enough? Look, Why didn't I appreciate everything I had? Why, why didn't I appreciate it? Because now I'm sitting here, I feel, and this isn't the truth, but the story I'm telling myself is that I'm like grasping for every little thing in my life. Straws. Whereas, I need a little food. Yeah, I need a little love. Exactly. I need a little- whereas I never had to do that within the marriage. Yeah. And the truth for me is that in order to be in that perfect life that I was leading, I was having to sacrifice a huge part of my soul. And I felt like I was dying inside. Yeah. And you know, Krista, the sacrificing piece is the most important piece for us to really bring out in this conversation and with other women. Because first of all, I don't think there's anything, I think hindsight is never 2020. 
we think it is because we can't remember. Right. We can't remember the pain. We can't remember the sense of isolation and loneliness in a marriage. We can't remember. Now, did we create some of that? Yes, but those feelings were real and they were part of what compelled us out. Mm -hmm. And when we feel like we're dying inside, when we're with someone that we can't connect with on the deepest levels for whatever reason, our fault or their fault, who cares? Nobody I definitely don't think it was his fault. I know I take 100% ownership of that. That was me. And I really, even now I look back and go like, I don't feel like he was doing anything to create that. And he created a beautiful space for the marriage. I just could not fit in it. Right. And I could not fit in it is important. That's your truth. And you couldn't speak it, so you were acting it out. And those are some of the things that you hold against yourself. And, you know, it's like those, what's really important to remember is that you were dying inside. And just want to say to our listeners, there's a thing in the world, there's a way that people who treat people who are ill, who know that when we hold on to something that really isn't for our highest good, isn't our spiritual, isn't our soul purpose, isn't our spiritual pinnacle, that we make ourselves sick. Mm. And one of those things has been quoted to me as, and you know, we've talked about um, Louise Hay and you can heal your life and <laughs> what's showing up when your JJ's out of whack a little bit. Um, But the one that I really thought about today is the one that's called the golden handcuff. Ooh, that sounds sexy. (laughs) It's not sexy at all, sadly. Sadly, it's not because it's a handcuff that isn't actually going to deliver you to a sexual position. You've never been in one. But the golden handcuff refers to women who have either have a husband that provides for them in such a great way that but they are missing something deep within them and they don't find it and they stay there because of the providing and because their life is so beautiful and cushy. And um, the illness that usually shows up from this is ovarian cancer. Mm, And that's not sexy at all. And other things. In my experience, when I finally decided I had, did we talk about this? I had three biopsies that were um, had mm, irregular yeah, cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you hadn't heard that, I had three biopsies just at the moment that I had finally decided, okay, this is over, and he was moving out. And there were all ne- all had um, irregular cells. Mm-hmm. And within the next six weeks, as each one was biopsied and explored further, they were all gone. Which so, I had the thyroid thing. And you had the thyroid thing. So, which is what? Fifth chakra. Fifth and it was chakra. like, I couldn't say my truth back then. And so what happened is the amount of anxiety and stress and depression, everything that was operating in my body was just sending my system into like overdrive. And it was causing, in my perspective, the hyperthyroidism. Yeah. it was, And it was very intense. It was very a very intense. serious thing. And, mm-hmm. and on my case, it was, um, what was it? Uh, ovarian and cervical and breast all had. So it was a big deal. So what we're saying is, oh, and the other thing I want to mention about this is it also happens to women who stay in a job that pays them long, too well for too long. Do you think this has, is there any correlation that would work in the opposite, like for a man? 
Um, well, that's that's uh, isn't the golden handcuff something. I thought it was a finance. Like when you said, I thought there was like a financial. That's a golden parachute. <laughs> okay, there we go. So that's a way better things. thing. Golden parachute is when they throw money at you and they say, "Could you please leave your job while See, we throw I money you at I you?" I need more financial. Golden, the golden handcuff is a little more serious. So, just to circle back to that for a second, it's about your work and how okay. women can get married to their work to such a degree that either the social. Um, status that they get from it or the money that they get from it or whatever keeps them going when they really know it's not healthy for them to stay. Maybe they're out of their integrity. Maybe that, you know, well, you're always out of your integrity. If I you're think staying. men do that too. They stay in jobs for the They do. And men and get different things like prostate cancer right. and they get heart attacks and, and women, more and more women are having heart attacks. But this thing in particular, I think is so tricky because for women, it goes right into our creativity space, our second chakra, right into the place where we are the most feminine. This mm. is like other people can't create babies and it attacks us there. And it, I, that was a really harsh way of saying it, but it's like we're attacking ourselves, unfortunately, right. through our belief that we cannot have faith and trust the universe to come and catch us when we step out. And we, you and I have taken chances in our lives. I like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I left my career and walked out into New York City because I couldn't take one more day and I was not feeling well. But I was young enough that it actually, you know, broke through right. and I could heal it easily. So I think it, I'm at that point. It's that stepping off into the unknown. And I I think since the minute we started this um, divorce process, I've been working my ass off to recreate myself yeah, in the hopes been. that by the time that we're doing this, signing on the dotted line, that I will be in such a place of security that I've created for myself that it almost like it wouldn't matter what the deal oh, was. Oh, so it's your fault. So just telling our mm -hmm. audience that if Krista would just let go of that story and let spirit completely just support her, our podcast will get even bigger, will be even more popular, will have even more likes. But it's the story I'm telling myself. I know. Like, and I your story affects done enough, everything. And I haven't, you know, I haven't worked hard enough. I haven't created enough success or financial abundance. I, you know, somehow... I haven't done enough, and now I'm at the point of needing to sign on the dotted line, and I don't have the security cushion underneath me yet, and that's what's so terrifying because I was like, if I can just work hard enough, then when I have to sign that document, it doesn't matter what is even on the document because I will be so self-secure that it just doesn't affect me. So instead, you're going to have to trust, mm -hmm. and this is this is the universal gift. <laughs> I know. I had to have the same thing. I had no job. I had no work. And I, just like you, had kids still at home. And I had to trust that that net was going to catch me. And believe me, I had terror some days. And I had so many people in the world telling me I was right. I was going to, like, I was going to run out of money. I was going to, I was doing it all wrong. Mm -hmm. For me, I had a commitment to being home with my youngest and which he probably doesn't appreciate at all and probably hated <laughs> because my parents were never home mm -hmm. and I just was committed to it and I wouldn't give it up. So I wasn't going to work. And I did, I'm not saying I didn't work and I did develop my career. I'm not saying that, but it was all from my home, right? which meant it limited me. 
Right. And I was... Just very much what I've done. Yeah. In some ways it is. And you made more progress than I did in my first year or two, but it's it's just about what's going on. The final lesson... Oh, I know what I did. I took a detour into a new relationship for five years. Yeah, I might have had that in between. You didn't do it for five well. years. <laughs> <laughs> so when that broke up, that's when the proverbial, which you know I hate to say, shit, mm-hmm. hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Because now that time... For that five years, I had a safety cushion around me that was like a marshmallow. It was amazing. I was like, oh, I got this, you know, hell with that thing. But I wasn't growing and I wasn't learning anything. And then when that ended, yeah. Which for me, my relationship that I got myself into was actually the thing that launched me into action. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think that there was just enough in the beginning cushion or I felt some support that, okay, I can, you know, pull myself up and go out and take on the world. And so I don't want to look at that relationship as, oh, it's something that I did to distract myself, even though it was a good distraction. I do know that it was the thing that was like, all right, enough is enough, Krista, get out there and, you know, start living and start your career. Yeah. And all of these relationships between the time my So I guess I was a year into my divorce when my first relationship, and then I was actually engaged for four years after Mm -hmm. that. So that was really a little bit of a cushion time because I was fairly traumatized at that point in my life. And then I had, when that broke up, was this amazing experience of really, like I felt like I hit the ground so hard and there was no protection. And it I don't want to hit the ground. I don't you, don't. you don't need to because I didn't see it coming. Right now we're talking about it. We're saying invite your ex into a conversation instead of doing that full right. separation piece. I basically just repeated my divorce again. Luckily, no way. Oh, you mean with then, the relationship? When the relationship ended. Because yeah. it was almost like a marriage. We were always together. We lived in the same houses. We had two houses, but we always lived in them together. And when it came apart, all that security. So what you're feeling now, literally with nothing underneath it. And so I'm saying you have a huge opportunity to stay in the loving, to invite him in. If he doesn't choose it, you keep still choosing it over and over and over. And you might want to tuck in some new partnership skills into your... um, Do you have a suggestion on that? What does that mean? I, it means really go looking for what it is that you weren't, what you were doing that was not partnering with someone else, the way that you were holding for your agenda, the way that you manipulate people. You mean in this divorce proceeding? Yeah. yeah. Just, Can you expand on that? I'm not quite sure what you're saying. So what I'm saying is that there, in many ways, there are blind spots that everybody has that they're still doing with the person that they used to be connected with. Mm -hmm. And as you come apart, all those things come up for healing. You may not see them all. So if you knew more about partnership and could see, oh, when that used to come up when we were married, I would act like this. Well, I know for sure I feel very devalued as a stay-at-home mom in the marriage. So I didn't feel it in the marriage. In the marriage, it was a decision we both made for me to be a stay-at-home mom. I was supported in that through the entire marriage. The minute we step into separation and divorce, all of a sudden, all of that is devalued and I should have been working and he, you know, it's just, there's so much judgment around it and almost like 
he makes it seem like I'm the one who chose to be a stay-at-home mom and that he never believed I should. I don't know. It's just like, yeah. and not even that he's saying all that, but it's in the energy of it. And it just, it's really triggering because I valued that time. And I do feel like it was important and it made a difference for our, the way our family was able to live in those years. And so then to go in hindsight and to have complaints about it, it's like it's almost like trying to undo my my existence during those years. Yeah, and this is where it gets really tricky for women, right? Because the men do help us raise the kids, mm-hmm. so we're not doing it all by ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we're doing all the invisible stuff. Nobody can see. There's no tracks for how many dinners you cooked. There's no tracks for how many cars you drove. But as the men and or the I, we should really be more careful about this as the person who stays at home versus the one who right. goes to work and even if you work from home your focus is very very different as that starts to come apart the one who still went to work can still claim parenting we cannot claim work right and yet something often gets thrown on us like well you worked but it was a work that supported the family. It wasn't what we would have chosen as our life dream because guess what? Most of the time, our work is volunteer work, not paid work. It's work that makes the world a better place because that's who we are as women. We, we do that. And or that's what feminine. I did. All of the work that I was doing while we were married was for our children. And your family and, and, our family. and your social life. And you Absolutely. were the one with all the calendars and the, you know, we all, so... So to go this back is, now and make it seem like it was wrong or a bad thing, it's just like, wow. Like, So whose work is it to not devalue you? It's mine, and I know. And I feel like – and I have done this work around it, and it's like it's still there. So it's like let's go back for round 20 on this one, Krista, and make sure I really value everything I did. And Yeah, and here's the thing, Krista. It's valuing yourself and also the choices that you made and the – honor that you had in making those choices and just holding it, not shoving it up against someone's face, just not being willing to buy their story that it was different. It's like, I hear you created a story that sounds different, but here's the truth. You can tell that story to anybody you want. I know what was true about what I did for our family. But I am telling myself a story. But you're telling yourself my a story. story that I'm telling myself is um, that look what I've gotten by being a stay-at-home mom. Not you know I don't have the um, massive career like he has to just automatically be able to take care and do whatever I want in the world. And so I'm watching him have the freedom to go. You know he can get home loans. He can get car loans. He can travel around the world. He can do whatever he wants. He has freedom because he was the working parent. And there's that part of me that goes, oh, that's what I got out of being a stay-at-home mom is nothing. I have no freedom to move about the world right now. Right. And this is what the economic inequality is what women have been freaking out about for years. And this is why we have lawyers, because in the past, a man could literally just walk away, or he could call it his money. Um, I've had a similar experience where someone thought it was their money, and so I had to fight for every penny. Mm-hmm. And the fighting for every penny is that's horrible. What, that's what feels so yucky inside. It does. It feels yucky. It feels out of integrity for both sides. That's where it the does. devaluing comes from of you know all the years spent 
parenting. That's like why I'm I don't ever you to do something different. Yeah, like I don't ever look at his work and the things he did back then and say comments that you know would devalue the way he chose to spend his time. I just don't do that because right. it was all in service to the family dynamic and the life we were living. Right, and then the part about how kids aren't like a job. And how they grow and change, and then they become teenagers, and then they are not easy people to work with. And then suddenly you're questioning if you even did a good job with them. So now your job, which was between the ages of zero and 10, they were beautiful, easy, lovely. Your family was like, joy and love. And then they became teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so now even without all this, and I'm sure some of our listeners could figure this, feel this too. Oh my God, have I done a good job? Do I suck at parenting? These kids like won't talk to me for two days. I can't get a hug in edgewise. I gave 15 years and I can't even get a hug or a thank you or I love you or happy Mother's Day. Like it's those type of things. Right. Or or best, this is my favorite. Because you're the calm parent who's always around, you get all the anger because it's the only safe place to put it. Yeah, they know you can handle it. My favorite trait of being a mother. So we're we're singing to the choir with our ladies today. And for you guys, if you're listening and you're in a divorce or just having a little more compassion for what actually does really come up in a divorce and the economic inequality. Like both, everybody's feeling it. And that's the thing I think everyone forgets. It's like, I'm sure he's feeling the economic inequality as well in his own he way. I, it's not fair. And it's I not know, fair. You should have to pay you that much money for doing exactly. nothing. Exactly. So everybody's nothing. having the same feelings on each side. It's like, so can we drop the bullshit and come right. and, you know, both be in our loving and not be afraid? Like when I start getting afraid, that's when I want to go into attack mode that's or a- fighting mode. And I have to really work every single day. To pull myself back because if I'm in attack mode or I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that, I'm not in my loving and I'm also not having faith that this is all working out for me. I don't know how this is all working out for me right now with my (laughs) best friend leaving and everybody disappearing and kids gone. Like I'm still here. I know you're here. Thank God I'm still here. (laughs) But it's like with all that change, it's like I have to sit here and every day, every hour tell myself, this is happening for me. I don't understand what the fuck is happening, but it's happening for me. Can I trust that it's going to be okay? And can I trust that whatever gets signed on the dotted line is somehow serving me and where I'm going in the world? Absolutely. And that you'll know that's the thing. And, And, you know, we call it all these different names like peace and love and harmony and kindness and compassion. But really, it's one field where we're held in the loving and we're not afraid. And that is the only place that we make good decisions from. It's the only place that we carry our love through. It's the only place that we're fed. We just have to be willing to stay there no matter what's happening. And our nervous system has nothing. No, 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 I'm going over there because if Mm -hmm. I don't kill him, he's going to kill me first. Well, part of my morning meditation is his name is on my bathroom mirror in a big heart. And every single day, I'm sending him love and forgiveness from both ways and health and happiness and prosperity. And um, yeah, I just, I keep him in my daily vision. That's great. That's really great. And as soon as all the things subside that were happening yesterday, and maybe you didn't even eat enough yesterday, maybe you were working too hard and you were sweaty and hot too, Something will shift for you. And I really encourage you guys 
to have a conversation where you and he come together to have the let's not break the loving and the family because right. that our kids need so badly. If there's one lesson from all of this, and sometimes you can't do that. In my case, it I thought I tried. I I know, I know that did. I was part of the problem. I there's no question that I was giving everything to this problem. It's what I had. And I know we can keep this together. I know, I know you can. As long as it doesn't do go. It. Yes. Because everybody gets scared. So right. remember, so we're talking to you guys today, you ladies, is your fear is the thing that will ruin what it is that your plans are. Mm-hmm. If your plans are to be loving and your fear comes in, you won't be able to control it. You will have to stop and give yourself back to yourself before you can move on. And that's what Krista has had to do, like in the last 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And then as move she Move out of complete to- terror, fear, anger, chaos, know, chaos, crisis. And go back to my practice. I mean, I allowed myself for all the blah to come out, which oh, is yes. great. That's Please perfect. Sure I didn't take it. it out on him. I didn't take it out in an email or on anybody around Just me. Just God, but... But God can handle it. God's the universe great space. The universe is the <laughs> biggest thing we know. God was just sitting back laughing like, you go ahead and have your tantrum. You have no idea what's waiting on the other side for you, girl. And I know that. Yes. But I gave myself the space to have to let all of that out of my system. And then I went back in and recentered myself, did my practice that I had forgotten to do in the morning. <laughs> and it was amazing how quickly I moved back into everything's okay and this is fine and loving and you know, it's just that constant practice of returning to what you know, what I know, and the loving. Yep. And we know that for you, we know for everyone, it's absolutely, totally possible to remain in your loving no matter what is happening around you. And that is probably the biggest thing we think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, guess what? Spread the love. Spread the love. Keep it hot and burning in your heart. <laughs> we love you all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>